Petrico and Parchment A Good Omens Fic by Mrs. Noggin Read by Literarian Chapter 5 Sometimes when it was raining, Aziraphale liked to watch it from the back door. Liked to watch the spread of each drop splatting, reaching out across the tiny bumps of the patio, merging into the one beside it. He'd stand there, breathing in the smell of British summer rain, so unlike any other smell anywhere, and watch until the entire patio had changed colour. Sometimes, when he was watching the rain, he thought of Crowley. Did he work in the rain? Probably in the light rain, else in this country he'd be bankrupt by now. But when it was bucketing it down, did he work until he was soaked through and cold and dripping? Did he have anyone waiting at home to put his towel on the radiator so it would be toasty and comforting to wrap himself in after his shower? Lie on top of him on the sofa to make sure he was warm through? The important questions in life, Aziraphale thought. He bought a car. He didn't like cars particularly, but living out there without one would be impossible in the long term. He found a lovely electric hybrid hatchback on the internet, which he had finally got sorted out, and bought it that same day. It was light blue, almost new, and looked super smart on his driveway. He took it out the next day, freshly taxed and insured and whatnot, and zipped down the country lanes far too fast. He had a bit of a fright and nearly took out a sheep at one point, but had a lovely time overall. Work would be much easier now, with him able to go and visit clients, rather than making them come to him. Six forty, attached JPEG. Help! Crowley, six forty-two. It's a vine. Come down in the wind. Six forty-two. Yes, help! Will it die? Is it dead? Crowley, six forty-four. Will be fine. Very flexible. I'll put it back up next visit. Crowley, 644. Just don't fuss at it. He didn't fuss at it. He left it completely alone, as bedraggled and feral as it seemed. He was relieved to see Crowley when he arrived a few days later. The vine was old, even Aziraphale knew how long it took them to become established like that. He was worried for it. Crowley seemed to find it amusing as he stood on the lawn and looked it over. Maybe it was him he was finding amusing. It needs a new arch. See where it went over that wood there? 
he pulled Aziraphale in front of him and pointed over his shoulder. That old wood's all rotten and smashed, and we're going to have to replace it. It needs something to grow onto. So an arch thingamy? He was a bit distracted at how close they were, Crowley right up behind him. Aziraphale could just lean back a couple of inches and be against his chest. And the we are going to have to... That was also distracting. God, he smelled so good. Yes, I can go and get a thingamy from the garden centre now. Or I can leave the vine down and do it another time. Get a proper one that lasts longer. Aziraphale had a think. It took a minute because he was still distracted by the closeness. If he had any sense, he would have moved away. But he hadn't. Could you make one? A nice solid wooden one with trellisy bits and strong posts so it doesn't break again? One of those cheap archy things wouldn't have a chance against that old monster. Crowley made a humming sort of noise. Aziraphale noticed he hadn't moved away either, and the realization made his breath catch. I definitely could. But if I go today, I'll have to work longer to get the garden finished. Will it put you far behind? I'm going to pay extra for it and your time, obviously. Obviously. He huffed a small laugh. <laughs> no, if you're determined, I'll go shopping for you. Oh, really? Thank you. Aziraphale turned and caught the indulgent look on Crowley's face. He gave a wide, grateful smile, knowing his own eyes were twinkling merrily. The garden was finished early that evening. Well, it wasn't finished. A garden was a long-lived, fluid thing that would forever need care and attention to keep it tame and pleasant. But the tidying was finished. It had been a long day, but Crowley had managed, even with the extra time taken for the new vine support. He was just tootling along with the leaf blower, directing the miniature hurricane of loose leaves and debris toward the brook. Aziraphale made him one last coffee, sneakily, because if he'd made it, then Crowley would have to stay and drink it, wouldn't he? It was probably a bit wrong, but morals were flexible. And he couldn't bear to just watch him leave. He put it down on the old kitchen table, waiting to be claimed. And when it was, and was raised to thirsty lips, he joined Crowley on the patio, overlooking the work he'd done. It's a masterpiece. It's tidier, Crowley allowed. Are you going to need maintenance visits? I've got a couple of spaces on the schedule. I can fit you in. How much and how often would you recommend? Yes, yes, please, was what he really wanted to say. 
Partly because he had no idea how to tend this monstrosity, he didn't even own a lawnmower. And partly, well, because of the obvious. I'd say probably at least half a day a fortnight. So, like four hours or so. It's more than an hour just for the lawn. Maybe a bit over if it's one of the lads and not me. You have lads? Yes, Angel, I have lads. He laughed, probably at how that sounded. Oh? Expand, elaborate, he invited. Well, that's Adam, who you likely know from the village. Eric is part-time while he's studying, extra in the summer. And Pepper, who would push me in nettles for calling her a lad. Plus B in the office, who would do the same. And little old me. It made sense, Aziraphale supposed. He seemed to run a successful business, though picturing him working with others was difficult. He always seemed so antisocial, alone. Well, yes, please, book me in for whatever you think is necessary or can spare. Crowley nodded and drained his coffee in one go. Aziraphale wished he would slow down and stay longer. The garden was beautiful. He'd seen the potential in it when he bought the place, but he'd never imagined it quite like this. He had a lawn, obviously still a bit brown and threadbare, but Crowley had assured him it would fill out nicely with regular mowing. And the hedges were neat and square, except the one at the end, but there'd been birds nesting in there, so it had been left until they moved on. The patio weed-free, the beds tidy with cleared black soil as a background to the plants. He could walk down to the brook, which he did frequently now, to sit and listen to the lazy rushing of the stream. He was going to get a bird table, he decided, and plonk it right down in the middle of the grass so he could watch the birds flitting to and fro. There was still work to be done, but nothing urgent now. He wanted a side gate and a path laid down along the side of the house. And the patio was old and broken brick, maybe eventually he'd splash out on a new one. And he'd need a shed or something to keep things in, Crowley would probably build sheds too, wouldn't he? Because it wasn't like he'd consider letting any other gardening firms near his place. The next week was spent introducing himself to all the antique shops in the area. A local supply and customer base was important. He pootled around all the local towns and popped in, had a browse, bought a few books, bought himself a few things he did not need, including a bureau that he absolutely did not require in any way whatsoever, but that was now being delivered next week, it just felt so loved and he couldn't bear to see it lonely and left a stack of business cards with all of them. They were all happy to take them and to have them as a potential buyer. But they were all general antique stores, not specialists. 
In one lovely little shop, the owner had been over the moon to meet him. She had a box of books that were in need of a little TLC, and would he want to take a look and see if it was worth it? He did. It was. He bought them and took them home straight away. She was also happy to rent him a shelf in the shop if he wanted to sell some through her. He politely declined. There was never much money left over doing it that way, and he, more importantly, he liked to be in control of who was buying his books. Reverend Paul seemed a very nice man. Aziraphale had met him once or twice, nodded hello a few more times. He was a relatively young vicar, thirty-something, with smart honey-blonde hair and an unfortunate nose. Aziraphale waited to be asked if he would attend church, but the question was so long coming and not quite a question, and he'd quite forgotten the answer that he'd coached himself into. You'd be very welcome at any of our services, Reverend Paul said, as if he hadn't left it months since Aziraphale had moved to the village. Perhaps he was a no-pressure sort of shepherd. Come along if you like, I'll always be there waiting for you. Aziraphale liked that. He had a dog with him, a mutt of indeterminate breed, but quite friendly and very convenient to crouch down and say hello to, while Aziraphale tried to remember how to politely get the priest off his case. From experience, that's probably not quite accurate, he settled on, smiling up at the man. But thank you all the same. Eyebrows raised in question, silent but succinct. Please explain, if you feel able, they said, but I won't push. Exactly how forward-thinking is St. Michael's, father? The vicar smiled joylessly at that, as if he knew exactly the problem Aziraphale had. Call me Paul, and not as forward as I'd like. It's a village church, and very friendly, but also unfortunately traditional. Well... I rather think it's best if I give Sunday Mass a miss, then. Thanks. I'm as gay as the trees and have far too many questions. I would make sure you were welcomed, Mr. Fell. Your faith is between you and the Lord, nothing to do with the rest of the congregation. He meant so well, and Aziraphale wanted so much to give him what he wanted. But he'd done this before, and he'd learned the hard way. My relationship with the Almighty is quite settled, thank you, Paul. It's the minds and politics of men that corrupt her word. The Reverend Paul was taken aback momentarily, but recovered, his face brightening. I hope to see you there one day, Mr. Fell. I really do. I feel the church could do with more worshippers like you. I'm fairly sure it could. He held out a hand to him and they shook in a friendly way. And please, call me Aziraphale. Aziraphale rolled over in bed to find his phone. It had buzzed, grating along the wood of the bedside table. 
If someone was texting him this late, it was either an emergency or anathema. Crowley, 2357, attached J-Park. Or Crowley, sending a picture of a set of antique Shakespeare volumes. Proper antiques, hundreds of years old, and something Aziraphale would leave exactly as they were, marked and worn from all the people who had read and enjoyed them. Sometimes books needed to be left alone. With leather worn to smooth, colorless skin and spines bent to nothingness. He adored them on sight and wondered where Crowley had seen them. 2359. Yes, please! Crowley, Midnight. Thought of you. When I win the lottery, I'll get them for you. Bit out of my price range for now. 002. How dare! Crowley, 003. I have a large laurel for you in the landy. We'll go nicely at the back where the brambles were. 003. Thank you. You're very kind. Crowley, 005. Do you ever sleep? 006. Do you? There was no reply after that. Aziraphale lay on his back and stared at the ceiling and smiled to himself. What was Crowley doing at midnight, sending him messages? Was he drunk? His messages sounded sober enough. Thought of you, he'd said. So he'd been out somewhere and seen old books and thought of Aziraphale. Thought of him enough to take a photo. Thought of him at midnight, thought hard enough to send the photo. Was he in bed too? Was he lying there and thinking of Aziraphale? A lovely image that, Crowley in bed. Aziraphale pictured him sleeping naked or just in underwear. Dark duvet low slung on his hips while he reached for his phone. The lopsided grin as he got a reply notification. There was no way that man was straight. Not with a taste for lipstick and eyeliner and painting his nails. Not with a walk like that and midnight texts to another man. Aziraphale felt something warm and solid fill his chest. It felt an awful lot, like hope. He pulled his own duvet up and over his shoulder and snuggled down into the pillows. He'd be too hot in a minute, but right now it felt perfect. His first garden maintenance visit was from Adam. He was on time and polite and very grateful for the coffee that Aziraphale made him, even more so for the chocolate hobnobs that came with it. He worked hard, solidly. Took only a five-minute breather after unloading his tools to drink the coffee and scoff the biscuits. But he wasn't crowly. It was a cloudy day, everything pale in grey tones. 
Aziraphale pieced together a handful of ripped pages of music. A Baroque puzzle. He secured the pieces carefully and set them on the fine rack to dry. Adam had brought the laurel from Crowley in the work van, and he dug a hole and planted it in, without question. He clearly had a list of instructions. When Adam addressed him hesitantly from the back door while Aziraphale had stopped for a late lunch break, he wondered if the instructions came with specifics about dealing with him, too. Sorry to interrupt your work, but I was just wondering if you want me to leave the Badlea? Adam asked. The flowers are nearly done and it looks a bit scruffy, but the butterflies are still about. Aziraphale did know Adam from the village as much as he knew any of them. He was a nice lad, at that odd age where he was almost an adult, but with the lightness of childhood still in his eyes. A curly mop of hair and an expressive face. Aziraphale could see curiosity on that face, and it was not about the butterfly bush. Leave it for them. Far more important to feed them than look pretty. Do you want a drink while I'm down here, or anything to eat? No, no, thank you, but I'll just fill up my water if that's all right. He paused. I'm going to crack on with the lawn in about ten minutes. Will that be okay for you? Aziraphale frowned. Yes, why wouldn't it be? Why was he being tiptoed around? There was an awkward moment of no answer, and then he just had to ask. Okay, Adam, I take it you have specific instructions for every job, yes? Am I allowed to ask what they are for this one? Of course, it's your garden and you. He obviously hadn't meant to add that last bit, and he blushed, painfully pink, when Aziraphale laughed. No, I mean... Oh, shit. Oh, crap, and now I've sworn as well. Trust me, I've had your boss in my garden, so I don't give a shit about that, he teased. Well, I've got the list of jobs. He gave it up as a bad cover-up job and just rummaged in his cargo trouser leg pocket for a folded paper and handed it over. I'll just fill up my bottle and get to it. It was a proper list, business-headed paper and spaces for certain instructions. Crowley's scribbly handwriting scrawled all over it to the point he'd run out of boxes to fill in and trailed up and around the side. Aziraphale sat down and sipped his cup of tea as he read. After the list of actual work to do, including instructions to check the back hedge and see if the birds had gone so it could finally be cut back a foot, was a separate list of instructions. Coffee is good here. Use driveway, do not block track. Important! Do not disturb customer if working upstairs. Don't eat all his food. He will offer and then not stop. Customer is my friend and nice. Be nice back. Do not piss in his garden. He was Crowley's friend. That was a remarkably lovely feeling. (laughs) 
Crowley, 1632. Attached JPEG. Sasha, Thursday friend. Likes eating ham sandwiches and fox shit. Very naughty. 11 out of 10. Sasha was a border collie. She looked sleek and soft and her whiskery black nose was pressed up against a denim-clad knee. Her eyes closed in satisfaction. Raphael was a bit jealous of the dog. 1640. She looks like the best girl. Don't believe you for a second. Crowley, 1643. Did Adam get on okay? 1645. You know he did. He worked very hard. Laurel looks lovely. Garden is beautiful. Thank you, X. He didn't even bother pretending he didn't put a kiss on that one on purpose. Anathema was not greatly pleased at the lack of elderflower gin that Friday night, but settled for a couple of bottles of Malbec. She brought over a lasagna, and they ate it off the coffee table, sat on the floor, leant against the sofa. So I slept with Newt, she confessed suddenly. The post office boy? Aziraphale winced and corrected himself. The man who works in the post office? Yes. Right. Was it any good? What exactly was he supposed to ask? He couldn't quite remember. He'd had almost a whole bottle of wine. That's potential. And he'll make pretty children one day. She sounded certain. She probably was. It's not love yet. But it's there waiting. He seems nice. He is. Anathema stuck her nose into her glass, suddenly a bit shy. Now we can move on to sorting you out. Lord, no, I'm fine as I am. Living the life my mother hates, chubby and gay, too many books and not enough church. Which reminds me, how well do you know the vicar? He seems very modern. Anathema just looked at him. Her dark eyes were unblinking and unflinching and he could practically feel her inside him somewhere. He realized, oddly enough, that he didn't really mind. She was a friend. It had been a while since he'd had a real one and now he'd got two. If she wanted in his head, then she was welcome. It got a bit lonely in there sometimes.'